Yeah. Guess who's Bazak? I know it's been a minute, and if I was Timberland, I would tell you something like I left y'all without a dope pod to step to. But I'm just me. Oh, welcome to the Shaw's Law Podcast. You know who I am and what I do. Rob Shaw, a.k.a. The Pod God, a.k.a. Harry Potter. Woo, it feels good to say that. And now that I'm back, who else would I be joined by than the Stanfields? Sean's doing big money things. So it is just Ian who has blessed us with his presence for NBA trade deadline. You got one half, the better half of the From the Stands podcast. So you know what? I'm I'm feeling good. And I have to say that was quite the intro. We, we got things to learn over at the From the Stands. Got a one man band most of the time. So like <laughs> bring the energy. There you go. All right. You know why we're here. We're going to talk NBA trade deadline. Let's start with the biggest fish. James Harden, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, a couple picks, and Andre Drummond were swapped for each other. Yeah, I think if you look at it on the surface, if, it, if you look at it from the, from the standpoint of how we typically look at trades, it's like, what did Team A get? What did Team B get? And then give them a grade, right? And if we were going to do that, I think it's safe to say that, you know, that Philly would maybe get an A or an A minus um, and Brooklyn would probably get an A or an A plus, right? I, I, I think, you know, Brooklyn's probably, you know, winner, maybe slight winner um, in this. But I, I think the important part of all this is that in the immediate term, both teams got immensely better, which is crazy, crazy to think of, right? So if you're Philly, you're getting an absolute zero from the Simmons slot, right? Curry, losing Curry stings for sure, but you're basically replacing Seth Curry with with James Harden. Not not being a Harden guy, right? Not even I can make that case. That is a massive, massive upgrade. And then if if you're the Nets, again, you know, Harden was playing but he wasn't really playing. Right. I mean, he wasn't very good the, the past couple of weeks and then was hurt with that hamstring or what, you know, whatever was ailing him lately. So, you know, you, you sort of replace him with a more ideal fit, someone who definitely wants to be there and, and people that are doubting Simmons, like, okay, I understand, but I, I think even, you know, he is a clutch guy. So he understands that like, if I don't make it work here, where am I going and what is my future? So I, I, I think it's, a slight win for Brooklyn, but both teams really, really do get get better. Philly, again, Curry into Harden. Nets turned a fat, hurt, checked out Harden into a star, a star role player, and a couple of, like, fun-ish picks. That's something. So let's start with, we've been talking all week, me, you, and your brother, just blowing up the text chains. And I'm in there probably a couple times saying there's no way that Harden actually wants out. I don't think this is real. He sits out the game last night and like any trade deadline watcher knows if a dude sits out a game the night before the deadline and he's heavy in rumors, that is a suspect. The only reason it's suspect is because Russ did the same thing and somehow he's still in L.A. True, 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 true. But like once Harden sat out last night, that's when I said, oh, 
this is real, real. And then this morning you sent, was it from the score? The score tweeted out a anonymous net source says James Harden uh, wants to ask the Nets for a trade, but is scared to for fear of how it's going to look publicly two trades in less than a year. Fine. Those kind of quotes come out all the time. You never know if they're real, but then quite possibly where does Katie rank? What end of the spectrum does Katie rank on as a social media athlete? Is he the best or the worst? Cause it seems like he has like no concept of it because he likes the post and you know, it pops up like, Oh, people, you may know that like this Kevin Durant, easy money sniper 35. So I think it's easy to say he's bad just based on the old, um, you know, based on the old issues with him with burners. Yeah. But, but again, right. Like, first of all, the best is Joel, right? I mean, that, that's the, it ends, no, no, it ends with Joel. Troll, but like Katie really gives us like almost like sitcom stuff. Like, is he the best? Cause he's so bad at it. The burners, um, arguing with people like he just can't he can't control it yeah and, and again I think with Durant too is that some of that is you know purposeful right and direct and I think you know after the burner thing I'm sure his whole team briefed him on how to act and everything else like I think you know all the stuff is coming out about Harden not being sure with Durant and everything else I think you know him liking that picture that is pretty telling that like he's fucking over it too. Right. And like, I don't know. I, I, I think for Durant, like not everyone handles things the same. He seems to, to vent his way through social media. You probably learned that from LeBron quite honestly. And that's how he feels about it. I think it looks like, and his comments after, right. Where he's talking about, we're excited to have people that actually want to be here. Like that stuff's on purpose. That's a hundred percent on purpose. That man, like it's so sad that that relationship soured the Harden and KD one. And like to Harden's credit, we call him fat all the time. Me and you love making that joke, actually. But he's don't, he's don't been be an fat. NBA Iron Man, mm-hmm. and I don't think when he went to Brooklyn, he thought he'd be carrying them as much as he was, like. I had him at, as the MVP at some points last season. And then this year, Kyrie's out. Um, because Kyrie is out, Nash is just playing Durant an ungodly amount of minutes. And anybody that can read a game log knew that a Durant injury was coming at some point. For sure. For sure. And, and again, but... Injuries do happen, right? I mean, when you sign up for something, right? Like, I understand it's not it's not ideal. And, you know, maybe the larger conversation needs to be with James having the discussion with Kyrie about, you know, hey, man, like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do to convince you to do this so, so we can go win a title? I, I, I think, you know, maybe that happened. Maybe it didn't. But things do happen, right? I mean, if, if LeBron left every time you know, if someone got hurt in Cleveland, the 2015 finals wouldn't have happened. I agree with that. I think for sure that conversation did happen. And I think Harden felt a different kind of pressure than Durant and Kyrie. Like both of those guys in that, in that group 
Harden's the only one without a ring. So, like, I think this ring meant a little bit more to him. Like, Kyrie's a different dude to begin with. But maybe if he doesn't have that Cavs ring, he's a little bit different right now. Like, oh, man, this is a really good opportunity to get one. You know what I mean? So when Durant went to Golden State and everyone was all up in arms, I mean, for good reason, right? I understand why people were upset. Like, it, you know, for two or three years, it re- you know, the competitive balance was almost none. Thank God for Kawhi and the Raptors for putting that to bed. But and injuries. Yeah, injuries are a part of basketball. They happen every year. They happen every year. We would have whooped them anyway. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting part about, about that is we killed Durant for it. But when Durant was winning those titles and going to the finals, he was on the floor with Steph Curry, who you and I have talked about, probably top 12 guy of all time. And he was the best player on the court. LeBron, everybody. And I think, you know, in a way it came around as like, okay, you know, did, did it suck that he went to a super team? Yes. but the reason they won Kevin Durant was the biggest reason he was the best player and he, you know, drove winning in a way. I mean, obviously everyone else did, but Durant was Durant was driving the bus. Right. And like, so, so let's say, you know, so James's defense is like, Hey, Kevin, like you had to do this. I got to do this. I have to get one. The difference is again, Durant balled out. So let's say he goes hard, you know, when Harden goes to Philly, let's say Philly wins it. But in, they win it because Embiid's throwing up 35 and 13s like Shaq. What do we think about Harden, right? I mean, you know, obviously he gets validated from a ring perspective and like, hey, he has one. But I think the validation he's looking for and craving by chasing that championship isn't going to be there if he's not the best player. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? I, I think he's in for a bit of a rude awakening there. And, and quite honestly, it's, it's part of the reason Kevin left Golden State was because he was sick of not getting the credit. You think Harden's getting the credit? I think it's, it's a little bit different just because in, a, in any world where Philly wins it this year, even if Embiid is by far the best player, if Philly wins it, Harden's played really good basketball. He might not get the, the – and it's a little bit – it's also a little bit different because Embiid didn't do it that's without fair. Harden and Harden didn't do it without Embiid. Yeah, that's fair. Like with, fair. Uh, with Durant, it's no, Steph did this without you. You're the one who hasn't done it. It's fair. That's fair. But, but again, I, I do think that, you know, James is someone who maybe is a little sensitive and maybe some of the stuff he sees on social media or other places, maybe it bothers him. I don't know. I, I, I mean, we, we can say, you know, pretty clearly that it doesn't bother Kevin Durant anymore. So at the end of the day, this is always going to be a Joel team. And, and I'm just interested to see how he manages that. You know, I, I think, and I also think the basketball fit is being a bit overblown, right? I mean, particularly on defense. And we can talk about that if you want, but you know, and beats a rim protector hardens a switcher. Cause it's easier. How is that all going to go? And then on offense, like, in theory, it should work. But if I was a Philly fan, I would have preferred to give 75% of this and just get Beal instead. Because he serves more as like the off-ball, you know, the off-ball sort of orbit guy. You know what I mean? And Harden's not really like that. So I'm curious to know what you think of the fit. Because, again, you get two top X players on the same team i mean obviously it's going to work to some degree but 
are, are we absolutely convinced that the fit is perfect? I don't know that the fit is perfect. <clears throat> I think some of the Beal problem was Daryl Morey. Like, to be frank, like, that's Morey's guy. I'm, I'm sure they could have gotten Beal for a little bit less and gotten the done deal, gotten the deal done way sooner. But before I he think, got surgery on company time. Yeah, no, I thought, I think Maury wanted his guy. Mm-hmm. I know what I can do with this guy. And then he's never had a player this good, or at least this kind of player this good. But from a fit oh, I think it's ahead. fair to say he hasn't a player this good. I mean, Harden won the MVP. And, and you know, again, you could argue he should have won it twice. I won't make that argument, but you could have it if you want. You wanted to give it to Kawhi? Because please don't say it was Russ that year. No, it's Kawhi. Okay, that's but uh, but Harden Harden could have won the rest the Russ one, you know he he you know there's one of the Curry ones that he was in the running for so like him having one feels right but that's undoubtedly the best player Embiid's ever played with. I was talking about Harden because I I just didn't want to disrespect Chris Paul. True and Kevin Durant. The 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 other thing I thought was interesting that isn't getting enough play is the Simmons and Nash fit and. You know, I think the thing with Steve is that Steve as a point guard was a guy who didn't want to shoot. It's not because he couldn't, though. I mean, if, if, if Steve Nash shot more, I mean, I mean, maybe they win the championship. I mean, we are talking about an electric player if Steve Nash shot the ball more. He probably, you know, 22, 24, 25 points a game guy with how he shot. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see that fit because Nash gets it, right? Like, you know, when Simmons is, is wanting to pass and like over facilitate, like Nash gets the mindset because he was the same way, right? It's sort of, you know, what they were trying to do with Jason Kidd and Luca, where it's like, hey, I, you know, you can relate to that. I played so the position. I, yeah. Right. Right. And, and I played it like you did, right? Jason Kidd. I'm a huge basic, I'm a huge point guard, right? Like, so there's lineage there. And I think with Nash, I, I am pass first almost to a fault, like where it may have cost my team a championship, quite frankly, if, if Nash would have shot the ball more. So I think that's going to be really interesting. And, and, and Nash is not a guy who's, he's not, you know, Doc Rivers who rubs guys the wrong way. It feels like, you know, Nash is someone that you can talk to and whatever. And I think with Simmons, like that could be really nice. I mean, remember he's gone, he's gone from Brett Brown to Doc Rivers. Like I know Doc was on the top 15 list. Probably shouldn't have been, he was on the top 15 list, but like, those are two. Those are two very different coaches that we're talking about. So I think that could help Ben. I'm really into Simmons with the Nets. Like, if you want to talk about fits, mm-hmm. it's just first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't get size that mobile in Simmons and Durant. True. <laughs> Hold on, let me just cough. Yeah, you're okay. Do your thing. Always the worst when your mouth gets dry when you're right in the middle of it. All right, I'm back. You're back. Like from just from a fit perspective, you don't get mobile guys that big as Durant and Simmons. And they're almost like polar opposites in a way. Like Durant is uh, one of the best, is the best score we've ever seen. And Simmons is one of the best defenders in the league. 
And then they got Seth Curry. You could argue best and best, by the way. Again, I'm not making that argument, but you could make it about best score and best defensive player. No, no, you really could. But they added Seth Curry, which, like you had said, made Joe Harris expendable, and I was kind of hoping we saw him move. Me too. We can talk about that if you want. But they're just – it's a lot – It's and it all still comes down to, hey, does Kyrie Irving play enough games for us to win this? And I think at some point, like, you know, I had this in my notes. You know, at some point, if you're if you're Kevin, you got to be like, Kai, it's Kev. Bro, can you please just get this shot? Like, please. You know, I understand. And I understand, you know, you're a guy of principle and, and you know, you're someone who takes a stand and that's what you believe in. And I can respect that. But like. I'm not happy with how this whole, this James thing went. And if it were in, I would very much love to stick this in his face. You can just please get the shot so we can go beat their ass, please. And it, like, cause if that happened, right. I see, I actually don't mind the, like the vaccination part of this is a completely different discussion about, you know, a social contract and looking out for people around you and all that other stuff. But the, the prospect of Kyrie playing less games in the regular season, I actually like, right? Play 50 games, play 55 games. I don't care. Stay healthy. So then when it matters, you're healthy. You know, you've been hurt the last few years. But at what point of your cab, you just be like, hey, man, like I got it. I'm fine. Like I promise, like no one's going to think you're any worse of a person. And if they do, they're just being a dick. Come on, let's go. It's crazy that that it, that really is it. Like that's what their season hinges upon. All right, so let's make just some quick notes about the trade. I was surprised. I think I would ask for Thibel. What about you? Well, if I'm drawing, obviously Maxi was a non-starter for them. Which, if I could choose between Curry and Maxley, it's it's pretty close. It's pretty close. I don't need the reason I'd prefer Curry to Maxi, and you know, Bill Simmons reported this and everyone else that it had to be Curry. I prefer Curry because Curry doesn't need the ball. He'll just run around and catch it and score, which is great. Um, Brooklyn didn't have to give up Patty Mills. That's good. But if you're talking about the Thibault piece, if Thibault was going to hold it up and they're like, hey, you can have Thibault or you can have these two picks, it's like, okay, I will take the two picks. Like, I think, I think what we've done in all, because of all the trades between, you know, what's going to happen with Kyle Lowry last year? Is he going to go to Philly? Are they going to put Matisse in it? Sounds like they didn't want to. Um, Harden preseason. Sounds like they didn't want to put Matisse in it. You know, now they don't want to put Matisse in it. But I think in that time, he's sort of gotten, you know, overrated. You know, like I think obviously, obviously an extremely, extremely gifted defensive player, right? I mean, and extremely valuable in that. But we're talking about a guy this year who's averaging five points a game. Like, what are we talking about? Like, is five points a game going to close lineups in the playoffs? What, what what are we doing? So if I'm Brooklyn, like put it this way, in a vacuum, if I traded those two first for Matisse Thibel, everyone would think I lost the trade. So why not just give me the picks? F- five points a game, two rebounds, 30% from three, 68% from the line. I'm sorry, that guy's not playing in crunch time of the playoffs. And if he is, you're losing. Do 
Give me the picks. Give you the picks? No, that. Well, I don't think scoring is what Matisse brings to the table. Of course not. I think it's another really good defender. Okay, so I'm obviously being, you know, I'm being facetious, but if the Lakers somehow got their shit together and, you know, Stanley Johnson is in a first-round playoff series, are the Suns guarding Stanley Johnson? Probably not. So Milwaukee, second-round series with Philly, are they – bothering to guard Matisse Thibel in the last five minutes of a the game? They're probably not. And I so, so I'm talking about four on five, four on five on offense. And that means if I'm playing four on five on offense, and again, in the playoffs, this stuff matters, I can double Hardner and Bede anytime I want. Yeah, but... So unless you're making so a living off cuts... That he might still be making it four on four. He might be not getting guarded on the other end, but you can put him on on a secondary star and make that player not be able to get into their rhythm either. So let's say we get to, let's say it's Milwaukee, right? Who's, who's Thibel guarding for 35 minutes? My guess is he switches between... Um, Middleton and maybe a little Giannis. So Middleton, fine. You That's also have a Drew star. You have a Drew problem now. You have a Drew problem now. And that means Harden is somewhere not ideal. You see what I'm saying? Like, I like Dybul. I think he's in an insanely, insanely great defensive player. Someone I love watching play defense. I'm a Raptor fan. Okay. All my, all our guys know how to do is guard. Okay. So I have to like that stuff. I just don't know. Like if you're on the verge of training, training for James Harden, I'm not hanging up the phone because of Matisse Thibel. Maxi, I get, but that's one dimension. Give me the picks. All right. So who's the better team? If these two teams match up in a series, <clears throat> who are you taking is my first question. And my second question, I'll wait for my second question because that's going to lead us on a little rant. Full strength? Yes. Brooklyn. Assuming I get Kyrie, Simmons is full tilt, Durant is full tilt. Because now the depth on Brooklyn is, is now I have a Joel Embiid problem. No question. Aldridge, uh, Aldridge Drummond, and Claxton. Blake and Claxon or whoever, like they're all that fire. is, they're, they're going to get destroyed. Okay. That's a given. But again, you got no, if you're, if Thibel's guarding Durant, first of all, no one can guard Durant, but even if he is, there's no one guarding Kyrie. And I like the Brooklyn depth now. You know, they kept Patty, is, you know, is, is Harris back? You know, they they added Curry. I just like that, you know, Bruce Brown gets involved. Javon Carter gets involved. They're just deeper. And, and I think with Philly, like, you know, after you get to Harris, Maxi, Danny Green, it gets real light. For, it's like Furknan Korkmaz, and it gets real light. So I would take Brooklyn. How about you? I think I would take Brooklyn. But is my second question is, is Ben Simmons just magically back now? 
The second he, like, it was mental health issues is why he was away from the team. So when do we actually see him in Brooklyn? Well, I think, you know, people will, you know, probably clown him on the internet if he comes back right away. He won't. Like, he'll take a month to ramp up and everything. But part of the reason he was having a mental, and none of us are in the room, so we don't know. But part of the reason he's having a mental health issue is because of his situation, right? I mean, if you're working in a place you hate, chances are you're not, your mental health isn't going to be great. So, you know, people that are clowning on the internet that, hey, he's magically healed, you know, keep that same energy when you're talking about James Harden's hamstring. All right. We spent enough time on Brooklyn and Philly. <clears throat> What's another trade that you really like today? I think, I don't know about like, but just interesting. And, and I, the one I have to say is the, the Spurs and Celtics trade, the Derek White trade. You know, um, somehow now Derek White, very interesting player. Okay. You know, for my money, makes a little too much money signed at 17 million ish for the next four years. That's kind of a lot, not shooting as well as you'd hope. I think he's around the, you know, the, the low thirties from three, um, not like a great playmaker. So he doesn't really solve that itch for them, but him and smart defensively will be great. I just think that one is very interesting because you heard all week, okay, Boston is going to get below the tax and get below the tax. They're going to, you know, and then they do that. They dump Bobo and PJ Dozier um, on Orlando, right? So like, okay, that's the move. They're going to get into the tax. They'll move Schroeder and that's it. And then they go out and they add Derek White, who's got, let's call it 70 million left on his deal. And, and then in a separate trade, I'm not, we're not going to talk about that one, but they add Daniel Tice, who's at 8 million for the next three or four years. So that was a little curious to me. So the luxury tax ramifications is one. Number two, I just thought it was really interesting. The difference between how Stevens does business and Ainge does business, right? Like Stevens doesn't act, doesn't sort of, you know, live in the hypothetical, right? Where it's like, oh, I hypothetically could have traded for Anthony Davis and Paul George. I just didn't, you know, which was the Danny Ainge thing every year. And I think Stevens was different. He's like, don't talk about it, be about it. So I, I think Boston fans are a winner today because their GM will actually go out and do stuff. It's not like a, oh, we hypothetically could trade all these picks for Anthony Davis. So Celtics fans, I think it's a win. The trade itself, it's a lot of money. That's an expensive group. And I know Horford comes down next year. That's an expensive group. What did you think of that one? All right, wait, before we anoint Brad Stevens again, because we already did oh, it as a coach. Oh, no, I don't, I'm not saying that he's definitely a great GM, but I think if you're a Celtics fan, after watching Danny Ainge live in the hypotheticals for 15 years, it's nice to see a guy that just wants to go. Yeah, but the big hypotheticals that we kill Ainge for involve real franchise-altering players. Okay these are sucky fringe moves. Like you even think like these moves, you don't think they're good. And they were just players around the fringes. Like it wasn't, I could have moved. It wasn't when he could move Tatum and Brown for the year of Kawhi. Like it was Dennis Schroeder and Daniel Tice. Are you the one who called I, it a poo-poo platter? I think no, it was it, a poo-poo platter in the text. Uh-uh. No, no, the Knicks was a poo-poo platter, okay. but but, you know, with Boston, I mean, Schroeder's garbage. Like, I totally get that. That The Tice thing, I hate it. I don't understand why you want to pay. A, you know, look at what Bismack Biombo's done with Phoenix. Like, trust me, you don't need to give a center 
three years at eight million. You just don't. So, I mean, the Raptors are feeling that with Kem Birch, by the way, who's at six. And it's just like, me, you know? So, again, it's not necessarily that I like the trade. It's that I like that Stevens is, A, he's not just looking to cut tax. He's actually trying to improve the roster, which with Ainge, a lot of times was just like, eh, you know, we we are who we are. I think Derek White is objectively a better player than Josh Richardson. I just wouldn't have given Richardson Langford and that sort of that nice draft pick. No, Although but, Langford. Meh. Yeah. It's time to hop off the Romeo Langford bandwagon. That, that, that train ended corralled off the tracks a while ago. I think if San Antonio was able to flip Richardson, which they probably could have, if they flipped them one more time and got more, we would be talking about them being big winners today. I think they were just, I think they have a little bit of a log jam at young guards and somebody's always the odd man out and it happened to be Derek white. You surprised it wasn't Lonnie. I was actually going to make a point, not about Lonnie, but sometimes it's not about who you think is the worst player in the group. It's about who has, who you can get the most back for. So they might've valued Derek over Lonnie. Cause sometimes you think well, whoever they like the least is the one to go. But sometimes it's about who people around the league like a little bit more or would give you back more. Um, My trade that I don't even know why this one gets me. It's Dallas taking back Dimwitty and fans. We couldn't avoid this one. And Washington takes on Porzingis and... Is this the rare lose, lose, lose? Like the fans lose, the team, and both teams lose? I guess Dimwitty, jokes aside, Dimwitty's actually cool if he can make it in the locker room because apparently that was an issue in Washington. If you think you're going to lose Brunson over the summer, you need another ball handler, and Dimwitty does fit that criteria. I'd probably just pay Brunson, though. And I wonder if that's what the real move was getting rid of Porzingis's contract. But it doesn't matter because you took on Bertans, which is awful. Maybe Lu- maybe Luca Magic has enough for Bertans. Like it's a sweet gig. He's gonna get looks. It's a sweet gig. But when we talk about the five worst contracts in the league, these are three of them. I mean, the, the Dinwiddie contract is bad when it happened. And, and I think the alarming part is, is that there seem to be a lot of places that even though he's a productive player and at one point was a borderline all-star, there are a lot of places that are like a very happy to see him leave. And I think that would be the concern. You know, I mean, you know, between him and Tim Hardaway Jr. paying that group 40 million and then adding in Brunson, who's going to be another 20, paying that group $60 million doesn't sound totally fun for me. And Look, like I was looking, I'm looking at the Dinwiddie contract now to see if there's any options. There isn't. He's 17 and 18, 18. And ooh, like I know the Porzingis contract, their goal is, you know, and, and the Bertans contract is outside of Russ is the worst contract in the league. 16 million, 16 million, 17, 16 player option. He's picking up that player option in 2024, 2025, by the way. Little, little spoiler on that. Davis Bertans picking that shit up. So, 
you know, I, I think the move for Dallas was okay. You know, as long as Luca's cool with being in like this middle area, let's see if we can flip Dinwiddie later or Brunson for something big at the draft. They just signed Dorian Finney-Smith. They want to be free agent players, it sounds like. And getting out of Porzingis' contract allows them to get out of that hell a year earlier. And who knows? You Maybe you can flip Bertans later, particularly if you attach an asset. I'm not hopeful, but I think that's the thinking. All right. So something you said about Dinwiddie, that was a reason he dropped in the draft, um, his attitude. And same thing early on in uh, Detroit. So, like, there is a history of him. And I don't – and it's not attitude like I'm better than you. It's just sort of how his competitiveness shows he's a little hard-headed. <clears throat> and that's – so that's the first thing I thought of. Secondly, like, I don't even know what's going on in Washington. As far as Dallas goes – They're one of those teams. Hold on. Before you move off Washington, let me ask you. So so let me – Beal asked for the extension. A, do you give it? B, do you not give it? Or C, do you have him opt in so you can trade him? And if you're trading him, where is he going? I'm in the trade camp. Like I'm shopping him around. Okay. Who gives you, so you picked option C that's wise. Cause I think paying him is ludicrous to even think of going there, giving him the supermax or whatever the hell his number is. Where's he going? Who has the juice now? Where it makes sense. Obviously. I mean, in Oklahoma city, I'm sure it could be like, Hey man, sick. I think the Knicks could be a player. With what? You probably start your package around RJ. And if I'm New York, I'm hanging up. If you're New York? The only player that I can't touch is RJ. That's the only one. You're going to quickly, Gaines, uh, Robinson, uh, Randall, any of my veterans. I don't care, but you like if you're starting with RJ, then you're already behind. Well, what was the last five years for? All right. Well, is will RJ ever be the the player Beal is today? That Beal will be if they trade for him. Yes. Will RJ ever get to that level? I think RJ has the potential to be a multi All Star. Yes, which I think Brad was. But Brad, I don't know that RJ will ever get to the all-NBA level where Brad's sort of been floating around. But I'm just not ready to put the ceiling on him yet. All right, well, because I just... But but if you're including RJ, this is your hypothetical. My fault. This is your hypothetical. If you're including RJ, then the Knicks are absolutely a destination. Any others? I don't know. Well, actually... I think you'd have to give, I don't know what they'd be willing to part with, but I think Denver should take a crack at him too. He Denver was my dream deal destination forever. Him around Jokic could be beautiful. I just do after the Gordon, after the Gordon move, do they have the juice? If you include Michael Porter jr. 
There's your answer. And I just I don't know if that dude's body is is built for this. Just don't know. But I, I think I think you're seeing the point of my question where, you know, if I was Tommy Shepard in Washington, I would have been really pressing Philly because that Simmons offer is gone. And I, I like and I understand he's imperfect, but I don't know where I'm getting an all NBA all star guy for Beal. I, I just don't know where that is. And I think they may, and if he could just opt out and leave, I, I mean, they've, I think they fumbled the bag on this one. And, and because you don't even want him to stay, you can't give him that money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bad in Washington right now. All right. Who's your next trade? Okay. You, the Dimwitty one was good. All right. So, you know, you know what I'm about. Let, let's talk Thad Young real quick. All right. Let's talk Thad Young real quick. So the report comes out. It's dragish for Thad Young. Raptors Twitter's losing their minds. Oh my God, Messiah again. You know, we turned a, a guy, it turned a guy who's giving us literally zero into a great bench piece. I can't wait till we turn Flynn and a pick into another guard or whatever. It, it, it's a blaze. And more trickles out that, you know, there's pick swaps involved and it's, you know, we include our first and we get Detroit second back. All of a sudden, everyone's sort of off, off, like, oh, my God, how do we give up a first for Thad Young? So let me first say that this was, you know, Thaddeus Young obviously gives you a lot. He gives you something, right? I mean, Thaddeus Young is a, is a really good basketball player. But this was about ducking the tax. And for fans out there, I, I, love, the, I love the Raptors. I, I think the move is just fine. You know, you're basically swapping 15 picks in a shit draft to get Thaddeus Young, which if you intend on being a playoff team, you just do. So I don't have an issue with the trade, but I think a big piece of it was ducking the tax. Fans haven't been there in Toronto. There's lots of money to make up. So that 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 paycheck that's going to come from, you know, Steve Ballmer's tax bill means something. And as fans, you know, I know we're sort of programmed to be like, oh yeah, whatever's best for the team, but you should never cheer for, for billionaire owners ducking the luxury tax. I think that should just be a lesson. We're like, you know, everyone in Portland's like, you know, back when they, I think they shaved Evan Turner and turned him into Kent Bazemore, whatever the hell it was. Everyone's like, yeah, we saved 3 million on luxury tax. Like you didn't save anything. That billionaire owner, you know, rest in peace, Mr. Allen, right? It has eight houses and four yachts, right? Like you don't need to be worried about his money. So the reason I wanted to bring up the Toronto trade was only to say it makes Toronto better. It's good for San Antonio. And let's not cheer for these, you know, for franchises and billionaire owners to save on their luxury tax bill. So I thought you guys were making a deal with the Spurs all week. I just had it for the wrong person. Thought you guys were going to make a move for Jacoperto. Bring them back home. Sounds like that asking price was high. Like, I think Charlotte went in with P.J. Washington in the first, and they're just like, nah, we good. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Like he's developed into a really solid big. And in a perfect world, he's probably your third big. And he's on a good contract. Um, my next trade is... It's Come on, be Marvin Bagley. You know no, you want to. I, I thought about Bagley, but it's the, the guy taken before Luka Doncic. Come on, give the people what they want. It's the guy taken before Tyrese Halliburton. 
Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith at number 10. And this is something I've talked about a bunch about the Suns. Mm-hmm. Their front office under James Jones, when they like a guy, they are not afraid to reach. And that's a really cool characteristic. Like, hey, our scouting report. When says, you're right. No, no, it, it can, but they just execute it wrong every time. If you have Jalen Smith at number 10 on your board, but the consensus around the league and all the information you're getting is that everybody else has him somewhere between 22 and 32. You call and trade back because one, you're probably going to get assets and you'll still get your guy that you had rated here. And you'll get your guy that you had rated as the 10th best player at a lot less money because you got him at 25 and you gained an asset. And they've done, they've not only done it with Jalen Smith, which didn't work out. Do you remember Kobe White's reaction when they drafted Cam Johnson so early? I think it was the same reaction as everyone across the globe, including Cam Johnson. Like Cam Johnson was a slated second round pick and they took him super early. If, if you're that high on the player and that's who you believe in, but the consensus around the league is that you can get him much later, do that. So I'm not mad at them believing in their board. I'm mad at their execution. And to give up on him, like they're not even picking up his year three option. They were, they didn't pick up his option. Which ended up being a mistake because then you have to trade him. Well, and they liked Torrey Craig though. I think they could have just, couldn't they just read, wasn't Torrey Craig with them last year? Can they like, if you really liked him, just sign him in free agency. But but that's exactly what I'm saying. They liked him enough and they made the decision that, Hey, this kid we took at number 10, he ain't it. And, and that's my thinking because they're, since they're a championship level team, maybe they did really like Jalen Smith, but they thought, Hey, around the fringes, what we really need is what Torrey Craig brings because we're in the championship hunt. That's a different way to look at it. In theory, he fits with eight, right? Like if you were to sort of theoretically put the puzzle piece together in theory, you know, a stretchy type of big does work with, with eight. Yeah. Right. And I think say it again, Cam Johnson. No, but I mean with Jalen, like when they took Jalen, right? Like, but I think they wanted a bigger version of Cam, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to stack, you know, wings and they're like, Oh, we have Booker. What do we need? Another, ball handler for um but yeah i mean i i think given the the position that they backed themselves into which by the way was another cost-cutting maneuver i mean what's the what's the difference of having jalen smith on your books next year as an expiring when you can just flip him then it doesn't make any sense other than to save money so i keep doing you billionaire owners so i i do think that I think it did work out for both. I think it's worthwhile to to see what happens with Jalen, though, because again, you know, they can only sign him. They can only sign him. Indiana can only sign him to, I think, the max number they can give him with like their rights is the same amount he would have gotten in his third year option, which was like four million. So if he goes to Indiana, blows up, goes to you know, free agency, you got nothing to show for it. Well, I get a future second round pick. Congratulations. I'll break a little bit of news here at 918. Um, the official word is that Jalen Smith will not be blowing up in Indiana. Oh, 
Okay. That that breaking news won't be happening. Yeah, there were rumors they were already trying to shop him after the fact, which is never a great sign. All right. Jump to your guy. Let, let, let's get to him. Well, I, I have to say, before we jump, before we jump, I have to say, what are your thoughts on Sabonis? Since you brought up Halliburton, you have to give me 30 seconds on Sabonis. On the trade? Mm-hmm. Everybody knows I'm not the biggest Halliburton guy. But I, I can't believe – this is probably another example of, hey, the guy we want to trade is this player, but the guy with the most value around the league is this player. Like, because they wanted to move Fox, I'd assume. But Halliburton had the value around the league. I think they could have gotten more for him. Sabonis is really good. For Halliburton? Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, they could have. But Sabonis is like... He's probably the fourth best player on a championship team. You have absolute studs. If he's your third best player. Here's the problem. So in that, in that big, beautiful basketball brain of yours, of the last, let's call it 10 NBA champions. Of those teams that are anchored by a high-priced center or anchored by a center, that center is either a generational offensive player or a defensive, again, defensive anchor. So if we go through, let's say the last, you know, let's say the last 10 title teams, how many of them had a center that was neither? Okay, is Draymond Green the center? I mean, in their closing lineups, yes. Okay, no, I'm just. But they're to- also they're also a very you know again we're talking about a team with four Hall of Famers or whatever, right? Like it, you could have had me at center with the Durant team, and I think they would have won the title. So again, I I think you know context here matters, but there's it's not a lot. And if you are not a generational scorer, so, so what I'm talking about, the, the point I'm making is, you know, when Dallas won the title, right, Dirk was playing a lot of five, generational, generational score, right, who put Bosch in a blender. When we talk about the Raptors, Marcus Gasol, defensive anchor, completely stifled all the bigs in his way. So I don't see the roadmap. If you're trading Tyrese Halliburton, and you're not getting a piece that you can genuinely win the championship with. What I understand you got to make the playoffs, but what are we doing? You know, the only time. So what you just said about centers is how I feel about drafting them. Like I'm only really drafting a center. If they are like, I mean, and by, by drafting, I mean like in the top, like five range. Yeah. I know what you mean is they have to be, either an offensive hub or generationally offensive because everything else, like you can find defensive bigs that rim run screen and block shots. Like those, I don't want to pay those guys a million bucks or I don't want to pay them hundreds of millions of dollars. Like I only, 
I'd be paying three centers in today's NBA, like massive money. Towns, Joker, and Embiid. And that's because they can be so good offensively. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some guys sneaking in there. I think Aiton's contract would be interesting to see. You know, I'm a Jared Allen guy personally. Yeah, I, I think Gobert, right? Like, but again, I mean, you know, I will win a title with Gobert sooner than I will with Sabonis. It's just a fact, right? And and, and on paper, like Turner and Sabonis should work. Turner blocks shots and shoots threes. Sabonis, you know, sort of patrols, you know, the mid-range and is a great passer and everything else. So why, first of all, why didn't it work? And if it didn't work, how... How is Sabonis the five on your team supposed to make tangible headway? Because again, my goal in trading a player at the quality of Tyrese Tyrese Halliburton at 21 years old needs to be, I'm not just going to make the playoffs. The goal needs to be, I'm going to make the playoffs. I'm going to advance. And if I don't win, I, at least I'm going forward. I'm advancing. Where am I going with Sabonis? You're probably going to the playoffs. Okay, and then what? No, no, no. But like you're, you're, you're in then what implies that we're talking about a team that has bigger aspirations than the playoffs. True. The Kings haven't been since 15. early 2000s. But is that, so, but my, but is that worth blowing? Is that worth giving away your best asset when you don't even know what he is yet? For a team that, for a team in offices that probably say, hey, by the time we know what Halliburton is, Al have been on the unemployment line. Fair. It might be Fair. time to blow it up if, like, you're trying to save your job. A playoff berth saves a lot of jobs in this building, it would be my guess. What's What difference? So, if I do the Fox for Randall trade, how much different are my playoff hopes? Instead of this one. Um, all the same pieces uh, going out. So, so instead of Halliburton and you know and change, so healed and whoever for it's Fox bonus. It is just Fox for Randall, one for one, which sounds um, like it was sort of floating around. Halley, Buddy, Harrison Barnes, Julius Mitchell, Randall, Randall. Holmes. That's not bad. Right? That that's not bad at all and I think some of Randall's problem is he's guarded like he's not supposed to be the best player on your team. Like No, but he can play a lot of 5 in 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 sack though. He's having a hard time playing 5 now, but he can play a lot of 5 in sack. Man. I, like I am I wrong? I like that for both teams. Right? I like that for both teams. So it, it, that's the thing. That to me is the problem where it's like I can ride out the ha- – because having two playmaking guards is good, right? That's why I think, you know, Cleveland could potentially work if they bring Sexton back. Two playmaking guards is good. So Mitchell Halliburton, that could work, right? And they're cheap. So then my only big thing is Barnes at 20, Heald at 20, and Randall at 30, but I'm no worse off. So why am I giving away my best asset? Aren't I better to roll the dice on Randall? If that doesn't work, you flip him later. And then I can always use Halliburton and chase someone big after. 
right? Could I get f- fuck it? Could I get Halliburton for Beal right for healed for Bradley Beal right now? I don't think Washington hangs up immediately. I, I think don't think they do either. They ask, if it's healed, they ask healed? what has to make the money work. They have to, what do we have to take back? So healed and Tyrese. So then we're talking about a core of, you know, then we're talking about a core of uh, Mitchell, Beal, Barnes, Randall, Holmes. And they probably fit a little bit better together timeline-wise with the exception of Mitchell. Yeah, who I don't love, but that's a story for another day. I, I just think they had options is my only point. That's all. I get it, but I... I and you're going to... Hey, I know you're not a Halliburton guy. You're about to be. I think making the playoffs is is just what they're going for. But I think the worst part is I don't know that this move ensures that they make it. So someone brought this up today. So you're, you got your, obviously you got your computer in front of you. But throw up the West standings. Oh, perfect. All right. Okay. So obviously this doesn't include the games that are going on right now. But the Kings are in 12th. Right. And they are two and a half games back of the Pelicans. Yep. So that's a team they're genuinely going to have to battle with. You know, they made a CJ McCollum trade. We can talk about that if you want. You know, they made the CJ McCollum trade. They are trying to make the playoffs. Trailblazers, are they trying? No, it's over for them. Are the Spurs trying? I think if they make it, they'll be fine. If they miss it, they'll be fine either way. Right. Thunder, laughable. Houston, laughable. So, you know, the Lakers are imploding. You know, Clippers are mildly, mildly interesting, you know, with the Norm Powell edition. But again, their two best players are injured. Like, was it worth trade? Like, was the road going to be all that difficult anyway? Right? Like, you're going to be knocking on the door, provided you're not totally inept. So, like, who are you battling against? But I still think even after this trade, they're still just knocking on the door. I, would you bet your life on it? I wouldn't. No. Absolutely. Do you think they're be- with Sabonis? Are they better than New Orleans? Assuming, assuming some version of Zion comes back. I mean, screw it. Even without him, it's a toss-up. Agreed. It, it, it's a toss-up, and I, I wouldn't bet my money on either side. Uh, the, what what do they call that? It's, that's a stay away. That's a stay away. <laughs> like it absolutely is. But while we brought it up. Portland has – I just assume they're blowing it up to get rid of Dame, too, and just start completely fresh. They think that they're going to sign somebody with cap space? Let That's me tell you, that that is the single, the single worst GM job outside of maybe Sacramento, but maybe it's worse. The last five years of that organization is as bad as any run that we've seen in a decade, maybe longer. I mean, in they drafted decently, like that—that's all you can give them. Yeah, and I I think Little is good. I think Simons looks good. Um, You know, the 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 Collins thing really didn't work. You know, Uh, but it didn't work for the Kings either. But, you know, no one don't trust it. Don't trust it. So when we're talking within a year, 
they traded a first and whatever Derek Jones Jr. is for Nance. In a vacuum, I like it. I love Nance. Me too. Then then they trade Gary Trent Jr. for Norm, which really isn't going well. And then they trade their two first for Robert Covington, which I think speaks for itself. They turn those players into that New Orleans Pelicans pick, which could be juicy if all things fall apart. It could also be like a mid-lottery, late-lottery, um, you know, early post-lottery pick, right? It's not going to be like something. the eighth or ninth pick. Yeah, okay. In a bad draft, congratulations. In any two draft, seconds, we get that pick. Two seconds. Then Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, Josh Hart, Sadoransky, and Keon Johnson. This and is then, the real poo poo platter. Yeah, and then they gave Alexander Walker away. What, what are we doing? That, that's in the past year. We're, we haven't even talked about Evan Turner and you know all the mess that they've surrounded Dame. Dame Lillard with, I think the one good piece of business they did was Nurkic. And even then they didn't trade him today. So I think I called it a poo-poo platter. I think they really like Keon Johnson. They They have to, because that's the only way that this is acceptable is if you got something back that you really, really liked. You know, Dame Lillard said in September, I want our roster to improve. I have faith that that will happen. They turned, how many first was it? Four, three, three, and Gary Trent Jr. into Bledsoe, Johnson, Winslow, Hart, Sato, and a pick. How is that making the team better? Like, I can understand tearing it down if you're going to sell your players for, like, decent returns. But, and I understand there's ownership and maybe they're trying to sell the team and whatever, but... You know, Jody Allen, you know, if you ever want to listen to what, you know, what kind of wealth we're talking about with Jody Allen, listen to Windhorse talk about, you know, the stuff that the Allen family was into in terms of yachts and multiple houses and all this stuff. She's really tripping about Norm Powell and his $90 million contract that she agreed to that you're giving it away in a year. What are we talking about? This is the worst. This is the worst management job we've seen in a decade. And that says a lot because the Knicks exist and the Kings exist. <clears throat> they just. Is this a case of Dame being too good too soon? I think it's a case of. He was. Dame, no. Dame has to, has, only has to blame himself. He should have walked away from this dumpster fire years ago. You lived in Portland, correct? Four years. I know Nike's out there. Is that where Adidas yep. headquarters is? Correct. Okay. And Under Armour. I, I was just checking because I was a little worried. Like, I know Nike didn't let him live in Portland and that's their home without, like, I was like, Adidas better live there too. Mm-hmm. They do. How long before Dame asks for a trade? Does it slip out during the off season or is this early neck is this early november next year so let's let's quickly digest that for a second let's talk roadmap dame wants to compete i mean and he's loyal i get it right and i think you know that there is you know even when your gm is doing a shit job at least when you know your 
you know, you're going out and get Norman Powell. You're going out and get Robert Covington. You're going to get Larry Nance. Like, at least it looks like you're trying, right? I mean, it's like the, it's like the Cavs with, when they had LeBron. It's like, well, we did try. I mean, we did get Anderson Varejao, Drew Gooden, and Booby Gibson, right? So, at least you're going out and trying. H- how does Portland flip what they had into anything remotely competitive for Dane? I just don't see what's the roadmap, right? Who, who are they signing? Who are they trading for? Unless this new Orleans pick, you know, Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley's it like how, how is the team improving? And are you excited to give Anthony Simons 20 million a year? No, but that's the going rate. And I just think that Dame is, he's in trouble, man. There's, because all the people that they bring in for him are starters, good starters. He needs another star player. And I don't even know who that is that fits next to him perfectly. Is it Beal? Because here's the thing, right? Like the same conversation we're having about Beal, like where is he going, right? It's not like this market of winning teams who need a guard is super robust. You know, I think the Golden State ship has sailed. So where's Beal going? Well, where's Dame going? Beal and Dame doesn't scare me. Like in the regular season, I think they'd be great. No, I think he's penthouse CJ McCollum. Yeah, no, it really is. It's like a better version of CJ, but it's, what is it? 10% better? Yeah, he's just, he lives on a higher floor. But they drive, you know, they they dress the same. They drive the same car. He, one just lives on a higher floor. That's the only difference. And, And if you did all that just to do that, Come on, man. Oh, boy. And why is Beal going to another situation where the entire success of the organization is tied to him and another star guard? I think he's done that before. So Beal in a big is what you say. That. All right, let's get to Marvin Bagley. You, you were just like so excited about him. Wait, what does... He's your most interesting piece in this tree? No, I think that, I mean, the Bagley part's interesting because the Kings that are at it again, you know, going before Luka Doncic and Trey Young and those, those West Kings, man, it's always something, isn't it? And Jaron Jackson Jr. is another one. It's always something. So, you know, I, I, I would like to see Bagley on a team that he clearly doesn't hate his life on, you know, whether that's in Detroit is remains to be seen. Uh, but I th- I'd like to see it, see him in a new place and see how it goes. I mean, it, it won't make the pick any less egregious. Um, I have to say, though, like for all the Kings slander, they kind of killed this trade, right? I mean, they basically flipped, you know, Bagley and maybe they included a pick. It's not overly clear and got Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. Jackson and Lyles are back in rotation guys. DiVincenzo is super interesting because, you know, a year ago we're talking about he's the centerpiece for Bogdan Bogdanovich, and now he's salary dump for Serge Ibaka? That seems strange. So I think Sacramento made out well here. I, I'm a huge DiVincenzo guy. I think he's great. Um, for the Bucks. I like getting Serge. Like, I know he hasn't been great this year, but – He'll have a moment during their playoff run where he blocks a big shot or hits a big corner three. Like, I just like having those kind of pros in the room if I'm making a title run. You were talking to a Raptor fan 
no one can, you know, no one's going to slander Serge Ibaka to me. His piece, he, you know, his piece in the Raptors championship will forever, you know, live in, you know, lore for us because, you know, without him game seven against Philly, we just don't survive. I mean, he was unconscious 17 points, I think. And, you know, big three is just what you're talking about. So like, I, I understand, but he hasn't been that player in a while. And that back is iffy. And I, I just think it's interesting that a team that just won the title could argue to win another, win another one is interested in, in acquire and trading a player so they can get two future seconds in cash. That to me, you smell that? That smells like a cheap owner to me. That's, that's what it smells like, you know, dumping Rodney hood, dumping semi um, dumping DiVincenzo just for expiring surge and some cash. That's fishy to me. I think Mbaka is going to, he's going to have a moment in the playoffs. And sometimes that's all you need is somebody unexpected to have a big game to get you over the hump. And I think he's more likely than Dante DiVincenzo at this point. I, I don't disagree. Right. I mean, it's been a tough go with DiVincenzo. It seems like, you know, he is the type of player that he's the type of player that I think is really struggling with random nagging injuries. Like it's not, you know, it's not super heavy stuff with him. It's not like he tore his knee up or it's like, oh, I have a nagging this or a nagging that. So I'm going to be out six weeks here, eight weeks there, you know, but, and, and you know, to be fair, I, I think it's safe to say that, there are two reasons for this. Number one, the Bobby Portis at center and Greg Monroe backing up while um, Lopez is hurt isn't going well. I mean, I think that's the understatement of the century. But A, Giannis is your center anyway. And B, if you trade DiVincenzo, not that he was giving you a ton, it gets really, really light on the wings. You dumped Ojale and Hood, none of whom are good, by the way. But it gets like after Connaughton and Grayson Allen, Wesley Matthews, Jordan Nora. Like, I know they're going to be a buyout contender, but like, you have to, at some point, you're going to see Durant, Harden, slash Embiid, and the dudes in Miami. I don't like that wing depth against any of those teams. They made themselves lighter to get seconds in cash. It just smells fishy. Rob, I don't like it. Talk me out of it. No, I I get what you're saying. I think I'm a little higher on Noir than you. And I think that part of the reason they were able to part with DiVincenzo is they like what they have in Grayson Allen. Uh, particularly because, like, Grayson Allen is... DiVincenzo's like a theoretical... He's a better player in theory than he might actually be. Like, oh, he can handle the ball a little bit. He shoots pretty good. He's athletic. But does he ever really put it together? Where with Allen, you know what you're getting. You're going to get a knockdown shooter who can finish in transition and isn't afraid to play a little chippy. If, if you are Milwaukee... And we know the reason, okay? As I said, this doesn't smell right. When the Raptors made the Dragic trade, why were you not immediately calling the Spurs? Right? And, and, you know, I'm looking at the roster, and I think it'd be interesting. I don't know how they get the money to work because Dragic makes so much money. But 
after Drew Holiday, there's nobody to handle the ball now that DiVincenzo is gone. And I understand he handles the ball a little bit, whatever, but having guys that do a little bit of everything, it's always good to have mo- a lot of those guys when you're, when you're going in the playoffs, right? Like I want to know that I have eight guys that when the free. chips are down or just when the chips are down, I know I can play you. Like, for example, I, I know I'm bringing it back to the Raptors. My apologies, but I know that if Kyle and Danny are sitting that Fred and Norm are, you know, they're obviously at that stage in 2019, weren't as good as those players that Norm probably was, but they weren't as good as those players, but I can trust them that the wheels aren't going to fall off when they need to get to their seventh or eighth guy against Philadelphia, it's going to get real light. So again, unless there's a buyout guy that I'm not seeing, because we all think Dragic is Dallas, it's just real thin. All right. I think we NBA'd him enough. And you know the big game is coming up this weekend. Who you like? Rams or Bengals? I'm going to give it to you real quick. Because I don't want to talk too much on your podcast. I already feel, I already feel like, you know, I already feel like I'm coming at you too hot. So here's what I got. No, here's no, what I'm no, gonna no, say. no, no. Here's what Turn I'm going to say. Up. Turn it up. I'm going to say this. I think the Rams win. Because they have the two best players in the game. And I, but I think I'm taking Cincinnati only because I think a backdoor covers in play. Where if like they're down 10, you know, does Joey B drive them down at the end and make it a loss by three, potentially? I, I think if you're cheering for the Bengals to win, you have to hope that Detroit Matt Stafford comes back and poops his pants. Um, by the by, the two best players on the field. I'm assuming you mean defensive players. No, no, I just mean players. I love Joey B. I adore Joey B. Is but Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey are, quite frankly, just better football players. No, okay, that's what I, I was just saying. That you're talking about two players on the defense, not defensive players in general. Like no, they have the two best players in the entire game, regardless of position. You know, I just wanted to make sure you were talking about defenders yes. and not somebody. Oh from yeah, the. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not, I mean, Cooper Cup. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure you didn't say somebody from the Rams' offense. Like Cooper no. Cup was off. It was amazing. The receiving triple crown. But I don't know that. I don't think a wide receiver can ever be more valuable than a quarterback as long as it's a competent quarterback. No. No, and then the fifth best player in the game is Cincinnati kicker Evan McPherson. Obviously, the guy doesn't I just miss. Want Cincy to win because like I love their swagger. Mm-hmm. Um, I tie everything back to basketball. The Bengals have done what the Kings it looked like had been trying to do for quite some time, where the Bengals were just like, you know what, we're only going to take like high pedigree guys in the draft. Um, like when the Kings did it, they were like, oh, this guy was a former McDonald's All-American. He went to a blue blood school. Uh, Thomas Robinson? Well, no, no, but Thomas Robinson. They brought in Harrison Barnes. What's the little guard from Kansas? Frank Mason. Mm-hmm. Good one. Like they were only taking guys like that had a certain pedigree. And it didn't work because at basketball, you just need to draft in the highest pot. But what the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow, Yo, get my man's from LSU. He's really the guy. All right, we'll bring in Jamar Chase. 
We'll take your receiver friend at five. Um, the big lineman that always carries him around. Yo, this was my guy at LSU. He kept me safe. This is bring him. LSU is a winning program. And it looks like, hey, that's where we're pulling from. We're trying to rebuild our culture in that way. I would love for Cincinnati to win. Honestly, you know, can I be can I be completely 100 with you? This is a safe space. Go ahead. All I give a shit about is the halftime show. Like, as long as the game is watchable, I'm happy. Is and if the halftime show lives up to it, I, I'm happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. That game could be 30 to 15, and like I'll be okay because I you know what? Like we got I, I get you know, we all get to watch our idols at halftime. All right. I'm with it. And like the Super Bowl is is the only time people are ever excited for commercials. Well, you, not us, because we don't get them. You you are, in Canada, we don't get them. We get our own versions of commercials, which aren't as good, obviously. Oh, that's so if like you're a real commercial person, you got to go on YouTube and watch them. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I did not the more you know. Mm-hmm. So not as fun for us. So you'll have to be texting us, be like, check this one out. Oh, oh, I'll definitely hit you guys with the YouTube links. Um, all right. Are you taking any props? Uh, I'm not a huge prop guy. I'll probably just bet on the game. Um, but I may look on game day. I may, I may peruse. I may peruse. I, some of the, some of the figures for MVP, um, I think are interesting. I, I think I was listening to another podcast and I think they were talking about how Evan McPherson's a hundred to one to win the MVP. And if he just comes out and kicks six field goals, like, and they win, does he win it? Have we ever had so the MVP? No, 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 no. But I think that okay, would be so, fun, yeah. right? Or, you know, Joe Mixon, I think is 40 or 50 to one. So I'll look at some of those, but like coin flip and how long the anthem is, it stresses me out too much. I can't get into that. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to do coin flip because it's okay. like, um, 50, 50. I'm, I'm either up now, I'm either up at the start of the game or I'm down. Like I um right off. With. It does set the tone. <clears throat> um, I took as anytime scores. I took Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. It's just been the kind of playoffs where the big names are getting into the end zone. Yeah, and I just don't know who's gonna cover Cooper Cup. No idea. If it's Eli Apple, he's in for a night. It's gonna be a rotten apple. Like it's gonna be mm-hmm. rough. It's gonna be real rotten. <laughs> Um, I think that's everything. Tell them where they can find your podcast. Tell them about your brother. Check us out. We are from the stands pod. We honestly, quite frankly, we're stealing Rob all the time. So come check us out. We're available on iTunes. Um, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram. Um, love to hear from you. Love to, um, Honestly, I love to talk hoops. The best part of bringing Rob on is that it means Sean can't talk hockey. So it's a win-win for all of us. Uh, but check us out. And again, th- thanks for having me on, man. It was great great to be here. Yo, I love having you on. That is Ian Stansfield, uh, one half of From the Stands podcast. This has been the Sean's Law podcast. And like that, we out.